0: This is Allie Henney, and you're listening to Combing the Roots, powered by The Witness, a black Christian collective. I'm back. Again. Coronavirus. Yeah. Stay tuned. Virus stuff is getting real, y'all. It has been a minute, it's been a minute since I've been able to be on the mic. Um, thankfully, in all this coronavirus stuff, my family has, we've we've managed to do very well. Uh, we are all staying healthy. We're all staying strong. I'm so very thankful for all of that because I know that, that there are some people who haven't been quite as fortunate. I hope that for all of you all, that your families are staying healthy, that your families are staying strong, that all of your loved ones, that you're able to have peace and, and, and everything in such a difficult and trying time. Who would have known? that it, whenever 2020 began, whenever I began this season, I never could have imagined that we would be in the throes of a global pandemic, never even foresaw that coming. And in fact, the the, the last episode that aired before this one dropped as things were, were shutting down. And so it, it just has been really surreal. And the virus, unfortunately, it, it impacted the, the production of this podcast like I said, my family, we've stayed healthy, we've stayed well, it wasn't anything, anything like that. But I instantly became in the midst of this pandemic, as stuff was shutting down, I became a homeschool parent who was also trying to finish a master's degree. And on top of just a few other things, a few of the other things that I do, and it became impossible to record this podcast. One of the things one of the other things, and I guess it's not really a small thing that I was doing is my family, it just the way that the timing worked out was just was just it, it was it was, uh, wow, it was I don't even have the words for it, honestly. But my my husband and I, we bought a house in Chicago, my family re- relocated from Missouri to Chicago. And, um, we, we bought our house literally right as Chicago was shutting down. And so we put in the offer for our house, um, like less than twenty four hours from the point when Chicago had shut down and w- would remain shut down for for several for several weeks, and so we just happened to um, be up here, and we knew that that we were thinking about relocating to Chicago, but we but we weren't sure like what the timing and stuff with that that would be, and so we um we we had scheduled a trip for the middle of March uh, during during my daughter's spring break we had we had actually had. Um, um, had planned on being here for about two weeks it was my my kids were on spring break and it was my my finals week was the same week as that and then I also um my my spring break was the following week so we thought well we'll we'll be up here for you know a little bit more than than a week and I think we had planned to be up here for like 10 or 12 days or something like that and um we thought well during that time you know we'll we'll go we'll do some of the Chicago stuff uh, we had we had gone on Family vacation here last summer, so we thought, oh well, you know, we'll go and we'll go to the Navy Pier, and my my oldest had been wanting to go to the Willis Tower again, and so we thought, oh, this is going to be a great kind of spring breaky touristy time, and then in the midst of that, well, hopefully we'll be able to look at a few houses. Well, as we were on our way here as we were as we were driving here um the, even in the weeks in the week um preparing to come here stuff started to shut down because of the virus and so it, stuff went from okay if you're in a place of 250 people that's fine to if you if it's 50 people that should be okay to 10 people and then to eventually just like everybody stay home <laughs> don't don't come out don't do don't do anything we're we're shutting everything down and so that that happened in, in happened um, here in Illinois. It also happened in Missouri. And so I became went from being everything that I that I've been doing as far as as far as school, as far as activism, or whatever, went from doing all of that, all my obligations and stuff there. Some of my obligations, thankfully did change. But I went from that to having to do many of those things still, and having to homeschool my kids and having to particularly my my kindergartner she was a kindergartner now she's going into into first grade my preschooler she just kind of was like okay cool we're gonna we're gonna like color some stuff (laughs) that's really all the schooling that that you're getting but that but that made it so difficult um to to record and then we were moving you know packing I I wasn't really doing very much packing because I was trying to teach my daughter teach my oldest and then um also do my own school and and not flunk out. Thankfully, I didn't flunk out. I graduated my degree posted on June 12th. So as of June 12th, 2020, I have my Master of Divinity. And I'm really thrilled about that. Um, You know, the the last two quarters were definitely a challenge with with the virus, with becoming a homeschool parent with just all of with moving with just all of the different challenges that arose from all of that. My goodness. And I know that that you y'all probably have some similar type of stories. Y'all probably have some similar types of instances where your 2020 didn't go, isn't going the way that you thought that it would. Um, It's really interesting as my family, we were were going to uh, Baskin-Robbins we don't get out a whole lot anymore, my, my kids, especially don't get out, don't get out a whole lot. And so occasionally, we will, um, as, as different stuff has has opened a little bit, I mean, drive throughs, I think more or less have always been open. And so you know, occasionally we will we will go out for a family drive, and we stay in our car. And we might go to a place that that has a drive through and or maybe someplace where we can where we can pick up food. And then we'll go and so kind of even just being in our car and being able to see some of the scenery and stuff. That's a that's a way to get out. And so we had decided to go out to Baskin Robbins. And um, on our way back home from Baskin Robbins, I happened to pass a church that had a sign that said something like "Vision 2020" or "Perfect Vision," "Perfect 2020 Vision." Like I don't, I don't know what it was, but I, it was just it was like a banner that was on the church. And as far as I know, churches aren't meeting. We are not going to church. If churches are still meeting, I had no idea. But I don't think that that churches are meeting. Like I think that churches are, are still are still shut down here in Chicago. So this church, so this church had this banner, who that been, that's been hanging up on the church for for goodness knows how long. And you're talking about like perfect vision or vision 2020, whatever, whatever it was, perfect 2020 vision, whatever on earth it was. And I just remember thinking, wow, the person who came up with the motto for this year, and then I'm sure if there's a lot of Christians, because because christianity like like especially i feel like, like black people like we get like really super extra with some of the stuff that we that we do like like always you're know, trying to find like like an acronym for stuff or like I, I finding some like sort of cultural tie-in or something whatever like sometimes we can be like really really super extra with this stuff um but I'm, i was just thinking man whoever made that sign whoever ca- whoever was like oh yes Perfect 2020 vision, yes, that's gonna that's gonna be the thing for this year. Man, they are probably feeling some type of way right now because I don't think that any that 2020 has gone the way that anybody has wanted it to go. And it feels like that every single day, there's something new that happens where it's just kind of like this outlandish and everybody's just like sort of like reacting like what on earth? Like it reminds me of now I'm gonna I'm gonna both date myself and shame myself here in the same thing. But I don't know if y'all ever watched a show called The Jerry Springer Show. I watched that show as like a, a preteen, um, maybe like early teenager. Like there got to be a point when it just got to be the same thing and got to, and you could tell like it was fake and it was whatever. But something that that would always happen on the Jerry Springer show is because because it, it, if you're not familiar with with it, it was like this it was this talk show that um that that that, that the whole thing was sensationalism, and so the it it became very well known because people would come out and would just come out and they would start fighting and like they would show the previews for these fights. And so I really truly believe that on the Jerry Springer show that whenever this first started to happen, that it was that it was real that there was that there was some verisimilitude, I think is the word for it um, to it. Um, And then eventually, like, it just became like, okay, yeah, let's fight. Let's whatever to try to get to try to get ratings. But I remember, because we would watch talk shows and stuff in the afternoon at my grandma's house, whenever this kind of first took hold. And so there was always some type of like revelation or whatever that the that the person would would that somebody would have, and people would start fighting or people would get up and like run away or whatever. And so on the previews, they would always show people like um, the like like they would be like, you know, I just wanted to tell you, and then like if they wouldn't show up, but then they would show the audience's reaction, and people would be like looking at one another. I mean, it would be, it's like it's so fake to think about it, like looking back, but people they would like be gasping and they'd be looking at each other and looking around and like, oh my goodness, and that's how I feel like twenty twenty is is like twenty twenty is rolling out here on the stage on the Jerry Springer show with the most outlandish revelations that it can come up with and we're just like the audience is stunned like what do you what do you mean you used to be a pirate that now you like I can't I, like some of the stuff like I, like some of the stuff that that was on Jerry Springer I don't even feel like comfortable saying on the microphone because it would be really so some of the stuff would be like you know oh you slept with somebody oh like you slept with my brother or whatever but like or like you slept with my grandpa and then it got it just got really really super weird um really weird and, and really extra and Something stuff that revelations that now people would would be like, you really don't need to like that, like that's homophobic or transphobic or whatever. But back in but back in the late 90s, we didn't know any better. And it was and it was like entertainment. And it was it was just it was way too much. But I but honestly, I feel like that's 2020 is 2020 is rolling out here and we're just like clutching our pearls like oh my goodness what else bad could happen what else outlandish could be said and that that's the that's the time that we're that we're in right now and it is a whole entire scene and I don't even really know what to do with that but what I do know What I what I do know is that in the midst of all of this, that there has been a lot of, even though it's been there's been difficult times, there's been things that just have seemed outlandish and have seemed just, I mean, nuts frankly, I mean, you know, I don't really like to use that word. But that's the that that's like the best thing <laughs> that's the best word that I, that I have for it. It's it's just, it's it's unbelievable. But even in the midst of just of 2020, just being unbelievable. There's been a lot of, of good stuff, ish good ish stuff that has happened. And so I want to talk a little bit more about some of the some of the good things that I'm seeing coming out of 2020. Stay tuned. Thank you. segment we talked about how 20 my, my 2020 how some of my 2020 has, has been going so first you know there's the pandemic hitting and buying a house in the middle of a pandemic and trying to teach my kids in the middle of a pandemic and trying to get a degree getting getting a master's degree in the middle of a pandemic and just how outlandish 2020 has has been And I, I use the, the analogy of kind of 2020 is sort of like the people coming out on the stage at on, on Jerry's on the Jerry Springer show and sharing whatever revel outlandish revelation it is with us and we're all like the audience that are just clutching our pearls and reacting and there's been so much in 2020 that has been difficult you know I, I, I'm i gonna talk about some of the good things that I see in this segment but just in case somehow you've, you you haven't been able to to compile or or collate some of the things that have been happening we've had the pandemic and that's something that's been I think in the front of a lot of people's minds honestly is is our safety in the middle of a virus that we don't quite understand all of it we kind of are getting lots of different information and ideas and stuff from from the government and so people aren't really aren't really sure who and what to and what to believe and people have all kinds of conspiracy theories and there's all kinds of stuff so we have that aspect of it. But then, in the midst of that, we have the other global pandemic happening of racism. So we we have when in February in February, um, before this pandemic hit. I mean, pandemic has been here since virus has been here since I think like January or, or February. Um, but before it became like a pandemic, um, Ahmaud Arbery was shot and killed by some vigilantes in in Georgia. And, uh, you know, if you don't know, somehow, if you've if you managed to miss it, um, Ahmad was a young man who was just going out for a jog, and um, he might have stopped by a construction site, like like a like a housing addition where houses being built and might have walked around in there a little bit looking at this new house being constructed. And he was hunted down by by three men in trucks and pickup trucks who drove him down drove hit, drove chased him as he was out for his jog got out of the truck aimed guns at him Ahmad fought, fought back um, he was able to wrest the guns one of the guns from one of the men and then the other man shot and his death was captured on video we also have Brianna Taylor who when that that happened uh, Ahmaud Arbery happened in Georgia in Brunswick Georgia in Louisville Kentucky we have Breonna Taylor who was killed in March who was a paramedic who um, was a first responder during this pandemic and she was at home with her boyfriend when cops who were in plain clothes showed up at her door to execute a no knock warrant and ended up murdering her as she lay in bed. And so the whole thing, their whole justification was because her boyfriend shot at them. Well, her boyfriend shot at them because they were in plain clothes and he had a gun and he thought somebody was robbing their house. And so Brianna is dead. And that happened in March. And so then um, toward... In April, we learned about this. I think toward the end of April, we learned about both of those killings. The video of the of Ahmad Arbery's killing was released, and so we we had that. We had um, the outrage and stuff over that, and then at just as so Ahmad was in the news cycle first, and his death was in February, and his death was revealed. His murder was revealed toward the end of April. And then Brianna, who I believe she was killed in March, um, her, uh, Ahmaud's death, of course, brought to light Brianna's death. Her family was able to get her death, her murder put in the media. So we were greeted at the beginning of May with Brianna's death. And then not very long into Brianna's news cycle, Amaud had sort of started to fall out of the news cycle a little bit. Brianna was gaining a little bit more traction. And then we get a video from Minneapolis, Minnesota, of George Floyd being executed by the Minneapolis St. Paul police. And so Minneapolis police, I think, I don't think that they have the same police department as St. Paul. Um, I don't think that they share with St. Paul, but they're the twin cities. Um, at any rate, we see... George Floyd with a police officer with a knee on his neck and I have not watched the video I have not had the heart to watch the video I watched Ahmad's video um, I did not have the heart to watch George Floyd's death and so I haven't but we have that death that was on TV and so you know three different black the deaths of three different black people um, in two of the three cases being revealed and then George's death became pretty like I think we it happened on a weekend and we were aware of it by Monday or it might have happened on a Monday and we knew about it you know Monday night Tuesday I can't remember exactly when it happened um and also in the midst of that too was the the Amy Cooper incident where where Amy Cooper um who's a white woman called the police on Christian Cooper of no relation in Central Park because he had told her to put her dog on on the leash because on a leash because her dog was supposed to be leashed in the park and he was a bird watcher and she called the cops on him because she said that he was threatening her and her dog and she gave the academy award winning vocal performance she she outdid james earl jones both as darth vader and mufasa in the vocal performance of the century saying that she had been threatened by a black man in central by an african american man in central park and of course as it goes um thankfully Christian is still alive. He videotaped the incident. And so he's as soon as she got off the phone, he left and he was able to leave before the cops got there. And so thankfully, he's alive. So that happened right at the same time as George Floyd. That was just as that was as the Amy Cooper incident was entering the airwaves, George Floyd happened. And so George Floyd's murder by the state touched off a bunch of civil unrest and so there were riots there were protests there were a lot more protests there are there have been a lot more protests than there were riots but um you know certain people don't know the difference between a protest and a riot it's touched off all kinds of stuff but in the midst of that I said all that bad but I see some things that are good that have happened so first of all we're seeing for the first time um, in a long time, a racial reckoning that's happening. And I actually want to talk about that, hopefully in another in another episode, um, to talk a little bit more in depth about some of this racial reckoning. But what I'm seeing is that for, and, it, and it happens to be fair it does happen every time that we enter into this national stage of grief where a black person is killed or black multiple black people are killed within or we find out about their deaths within weeks of one another there gets to be a, a mounting of outrage and then there's an outpouring of, of frustration and outpouring of grief and outpouring of all sorts of different things and it sparks a national conversation and everybody has something to say about it and it's and it's a whole and his a whole entire thing or whatever. And that's, and that's the way that it's been. I feel like that, that it's been a cycle that's been happening for the last six years. But the cycle keeps getting, it keeps um, getting faster and faster and going by faster and faster. And so that, so admittedly, we have seen these moments of reckoning before. But this moment of reckoning feels a little bit different than some of these other moments of reckoning. Because we have so much of it on film. Um, Breonna Taylor, we we don't have that on film or the film hasn't been released. I, I don't, I think that the cops went in there without body cams on. So I don't know if we even if we even have that on film, which not that it matters and not that anybody should or would want to see it. But we have this type of thing on film and it's being distributed widely. And we can say a whole lot, I, I have a whole lot of feelings about how easily we show and share Black Death. I have a whole lot of feelings about that, but I'm trying to keep it positive right now. And so I I see that we that there's this moment where for the first time I'm seeing it in my own circles where people are listening where we're fine like where where you have like somebody is on camera for for eight minutes and 46 seconds getting choked out and they're and they're not resisting they're not doing anything wrong and the thing that they did they 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 tried to pass a $20 bill and they might and, and it I think it wasn't even counterfeit to begin with um they are only accused of that and you see like this is the punishment does not match the crime I mean we could talk about about punishment we can talk about crime but anyway like I said I'm trying I am trying to keep it positive right now so we see oh my goodness the punishment this is this this man does not deserve to be choked out and he does not deserve we, we don't deserve that he doesn't deserve this and people recognizing wow so all that so so basically saying that you know, black people we're not experiencing some sort of collective hysteria the things that we have been saying are happening to us are happening and it's and it's there and you have this ironclad evidence <laughs> that it happened. It takes only the most callous of person to try to deny that or to try to deflect it. And so it has as wrong as it is, as problematic as it is that it takes this. And I, I once again, I'm trying to stay positive. But as much as it is, people are finally recognizing that there's something wrong. Never have we seen a time when the New York Times top 10 bestsellers have all been books about race. Yes, there are some things that we could say about that. And we can talk about who was the top, who was the top person that week. But instead, I choose to look at it like, okay, people are at least willing to pay $14.50 for a book that they may or may not read, but they are putting money in the pockets of Black authors to hear about this. And my good friend Jamar Tisby, who wrote the book, The Color of Compromise, has been on, was on the New York Times bestseller list for at least three weeks. I'm not sure if he's still on the list. I need to, I need to touch base with him um, on that to see, but he was a New York Times bestseller. The Color of Compromise is a book that if you haven't read it, um, it's about the Christ, the white Christian church's complicity in racism. I highly recommend that even if you are not a Christian, that you read this book because it helps to explain a lot of how but the the history, because Jamar is a historian, he is a doctoral candidate at um, he has everything done but his dissertation at the University of Mississippi, aka Ole Miss. Um, he is he he's he writes this book. It's, it's fantastic in just talking about um, talking about the the church and talking about some of the history of racism within the white Christian context. And he just he does a great job of elucidating that. So even if you if you aren't a Christian, um, I think that it it goes into speaking about some of it, it into speaking to some of the mentality that white Christians espouse. And like I said, even if you aren't a Christian, there is just that it, it, it's a revelation into, I think, a lot of our current political climate. In terms of the things that that undergird some of the the Christian right, some of some of the, their their values and and the principles that that he's he's talking about history, you know, he's talking about things that happened in the 1700s and the 1800s, and I think even as as, as late as the as the early 1900s, and he's talking about those things. But that is a spiritual heritage of a lot of the folks who today are voting a certain way. And And are espousing certain ideologies, and so it's it's definitely worth the read. It's most definitely instructive, even if you're if you're somebody that doesn't come from that type of spiritual background. And so anyway, we're we're seeing now this this time of of reckoning, where for the first time we for the first time you know Mississippi changed its state flag the the canton in their state flag for for years had the confederate flag in it and it's been removed now and that that flag has been discontinued and that was something that was a stronghold y'all and it got broken down these confederate statues the statue of robert e lee in in richmond virginia that joint's coming down um if it ain't already came down it's coming down um people tore down the statue of jefferson davis um all just just all these monuments to to white supremacy and oppression are coming down and there's and a lot of the things that I that I named here are symbolic vi- victories and so I don't want to seem like I'm like I'm putting an undue um amount of of weight on some of these symbolic things but oftentimes it takes the symbolic things to happen first for to, to, to you you've got to get rid of the things that people are gonna are gonna rally around, um, the things that they're gonna rally behind, the things that they use in order to to break down some of these larger systems. And so even though you know as I'm saying some of these things like you know yeah this happened, but hey there's also this other ratchet component to it. There's also this other component that's really difficult. There are I, it, I have a sense of hope. I have a sense of hope. I don't. It's not that I think that you know suddenly in like in two weeks, racism is just going to be completely over, that it's going to be solved. No. But what it's doing is I see that that we, that all of the work that I've been doing for the past six years, has been able to move the needle a little bit. And there have been some victories, while symbolic, are still significant. And so I don't want us to miss the moment because we're not because we're not where we need to be, it can be very easy to miss a moment and say, "Well, this is it. This is a transitional time. This is a time where where there was a shift." Now, I think that we can't just park in that transitional time. We can't just park on the victories from now. So, in the next segment, I'm going to talk about what I think needs to happen next. <laughs> I talked about some of the ratchetness, but also some of the good that I've been seeing in this cultural moment. And so now, as I wrap up, I want to share some thoughts on what I think that we can do in this moment, what I think kind of some of our our next steps are and things that that we can that we can begin to think about and, and dream about and all that. So the first thing is that we have to take care of ourselves. And in fact, the episode before this, Wear Your Bonnet, Grease Your Scalp, talks about that. Self-care is so important. We are we are in this moment where there's lots of civil unrest. There are lots of protests. People are still protesting, y'all. People are still having, having gatherings where they're seeking justice. It sort of has fallen out of vogue. It's sort of fallen off the map in in the media. um, Because you know, people aren't burning stuff down, like we've gotten to the point, we've gotten past the point where, where there's where there's rage, we've gotten, I mean, people still are mad, but we've gotten kind of past the point where there's been that 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 unrest aspect of it. But people are still protesting, people are still resisting what's going on. So don't let what you see or don't see in the media um, sway you and, and kind of sway what you think on this point, because people are still out in the streets. In fact, you know, I get I get notifications, almost every day of different actions that are happening here in Chicago. Now, of course, you know, you might be in a city that's a little bit smaller, and you might be in a small town, even you might be in a a rural context. And so there might not be as many things going on. But please know that we're still out here, people are still out here. And we are still demanding justice, we are still seeking justice. So it's important that in the midst of that, that if you're somebody that you're that you're out here, whether you are out here in the physical streets doing stuff, whether whether you're organizing behind the scenes, whether you are an activist in in kind of a social media setting and in more in more virtual settings, whether you're teaching classes doing doing this that type of work doing activism, it is so important that you take care of yourself. It's so important that you take time away that you take time off you take time to to kick off your shoes and relax your feet that you take time to to if you if taking a bath if soaking in a bathtub is your thing that you do it whether it's watching Netflix if it's playing video games whatever it is that you do Please do that thing. Take care of yourself. The thing about the work is that there's always work to do. And that's any kind of work. In activism, there's always work to do. But I've you found as as being somebody that that works in the home and and I, I don't I'm loath to call myself a homemaker because I feel like that comes like with a lot of weird connotations. But as somebody that, you know I have a family, I'm raising a family and all that type of stuff. And there is always something to do. Like I'm unpacking a house, setting up a new household. And there is always something to do. There's always stuff on Amazon to be bought. There's always cleaning that has to happen. And if you get if you get too caught up in that, you can start to feel discouraged because there's so much stuff to do. Well, it's the same with activism is that there's always going to be something that you could do. There's always going to be a point that you can make. There's always going to be a course that you can teach there's always going to be a protest there's always going to be something that you can do that you can be out in the streets and so you have to take a little bit of time for yourself you have to take a little bit of time to to just sit back and 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 relax and to take your mind as much as you possibly can off of the stuff that's happening there's times whenever you might have to disconnect that you might have to unplug that you might have to say no more to, to social media or to reading the news or to listening to things and to just be able to to take care of yourself and to, and to tend to your own garden. That is something that is so important. The next thing is building revolutionary communities. And so this kind of goes into self care, but it's also another another aspect. Is you need to get around black people, and yeah, this is something that's really important. It's really it's it kind of like, well, what does that have to do? With, what does that have to do with with this moment? What does that have to do with with forwarding things? But let me tell you, like in during the civil rights movement, as I I wasn't there, but reading about the civil rights movement, listening to the first hand testimonies of people in the civil rights movements, the, the, these people, those people they existed in community, they weren't just kind of individuals that were just kind of there, they existed within their communities, and they existed with one another. And they 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 shared their their lives in a, in a very intimate and significant way, that it, it gave them the strength, then to be able to fight another day. And I, I am part of a few of these types of communities. And honestly, it's it's refreshing, it's great to be able to be in a space, where you can just kind of go and you can be black and you can be you can be with black people and you can and you can and you can talk you can you can you can talk about whatever thing it is of the day you can have you can you can unload you can you can vent you can whatever but then also it's just it's a place where your soul can be can be nurtured if you create these spaces with other black folks where your soul can be can be nurtured and I think that it's so important because we need to have spaces where we can't imagine something different where we can imagine what would what would life look like? What would the world look like? What kind of world are we trying to build? You can you can dream and strategize about that about the actions that you that you want to take about whatever it is, whatever your bag is, if it's creativity, being able to to be with other black creatives, and to be able to, to dream about the art that you're going to create, all of that is so important. And as you have that, you're able to build and live into the resistance you're able to live into the revolution that we're building here because you are you are with other people and you and you have things in your life that are going to help to to undergird you and to and to sustain you and to help you you live another day we we cannot we cannot adopt we cannot afford to adopt the the rugged individualism of our oppressors i'm going to say that again we cannot afford to adopt the rugged individualism of our oppressors. It will, we are a collectivist culture. We are, we are a collect, we are collective culture. We, we believe in community. Community is something that is, that is important to our flourishing. And whenever we decide that we're just going to be, you know, this like lone wolf out here doing our own, doing our own thing, it's much easier for us to get picked off by white supremacy. And so it's, so important that you have people that you can talk to that you don't have to fake the funk with that you can say you know what I have been having a terrible day I've been experiencing whatever I, I have several groups of friends that are that are like this that I that I have the ability to just be able to go and be able to sit and to be able to be and to be able to exist and so that's something that is that is critical for us during this time and finally you need to be bold This is something that, again, is crucial, being bold, speaking the truth about what is happening, telling your story, giving your word, your testimony, whatever it is that you want to call it. It is so important for you in this time to, to say those things, to say the things that other people around you might be afraid to say. Now, whenever I say that, I don't mean that you that you kind of, you know, commodify yourself and put yourself out there and make your your life for consumption in a way that that, that, that white people can sit and, and kind of eat it up and it, and it becomes this feeding frenzy of black pain and trauma and you're not putting yourself out there as like a form of trauma porn or whatever like that's not that's not what I'm saying but what I'm saying is whenever you're being bold and you're speaking truth to power and you're speaking those things that that you that you have experienced that's something that is crucial Um, recently a good friend of mine shared her truth about something that that happened to her in her worship community in fact I actually shared about it on the first episode of this season if you're interested and interested in going back and listening but it's something that that I I know that her sharing her truth at least for me it was empowering it was a way to take back something that had been that had been so so horrible but I feel like you know there's there's a scripture that um, talks about about a group of people who overcame their enemy by Jesus, by, by, by the blood of Jesus, but also by the word of their testimony. And that's something that that's a, that's an aspect that in, that in my faith journey that I really live by. I think that there's power in being able to to share what we've come through and how we have gotten over. And I think that that is that that is something that is that is critical. So I encourage you that to name the things to name your oppression and there's certainly I, I want to acknowledge that there can be costs that there can that it can be re-traumatizing that there's a whole bunch of stuff that can come with it and maybe it's not telling about something bad that happened to you but maybe it's being maybe it's being bold in other ways maybe there maybe the, you have revelation on things that's like okay this would be something that would be difficult to do and, and it could cost me but you might be feeling nudged to take to take that step and so whatever it is that's been revealed to you to do that is bold that's going to this going to advance the freedom and liberation of black people. Take those steps. This has been combing the roots. Special thanks to producer Joshua Heath and executive producers Tyler Burns and Bo York. Catch up with what I'm doing on these internet streets by visiting AlleyHenny.com. There you'll be able to connect to my Twitter feed, my Instagram, and my Facebook writers page. Combing the Roots is powered by The Witness, a Black Christian collective. I'm your host, Allie Henney. Peace.